Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed and listen without having seen the film, just be aware that we may discuss elements of the plot and we may spoil it for you. Enjoy. Oh, hello. Oh, hello there. Welcome to my uh, my Google Meet room. You took a, a minute to join, so I was about to start the podcast on my own and become one of those guys who does a podcast on their own. <laughs> those strange people. Yeah. I, I kind of respect people that do that, but I also think it's strange. I, I really love it. Um, I, there, there's a few times where I've considered uh, doing a podcast on my own. In fact, for a little while before this began, I did my little video game podcast. That was good. Um, and um, I've thought about doing one for um, for mental health awareness as well. Um, but I think you, you've got to be able to carry it on your own, which I think is the really interesting thing. So you've got to have a, a nice soothing voice, but also be able to add some interesting inflections here and there to keep the listener very occupied as you speak. Yeah. And you need a good like music bed, don't you? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, Which, I mean, we could have that, I suppose. I'm, I'm, I can create any kind of music you want. In fact, I'm considering for all the Halloween episodes going back and editing them. So it's just got like... Just in the background all the time. Just do that constantly, really loud, louder than the actual dialogue. Yeah, that's what people want from podcasts. It is, it's exactly what we want. This is where podcasts are going. <laughs> when well instead of instead of podcasts we just want like two hour long um post metal albums that are just obscenely loud and you yeah. can just hear some muttering in the background. Isn't that what um most of Phantomass's catalogue is like? <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be the next Sun Zero album, isn't it? Is we, yeah. we, it's gonna be a, a split EP with us and we're gonna talk about movies whilst they just drone their drony metal. Really I loud. would actually love that. I'd really love that. If anyone wants to edit one of our episodes to be that, um, <laughs> Boris, <Yeah>. Boris <laughs> slash Big Boys Don't Cry split, um, that would be amazing. Big Boys Don't Sun Zero. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah, this has got to happen. Um, but speaking of bizarre crossovers, this week's film yeah. is Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Well done. I was going to try and talk about some other famous mashups before we got there, but I can't think of any, so let, let's dive in. Chocolate and peanut butter. Mm, Great yeah. mashup. I, I, do, I do go for the Reese's, as you know. Oh, yeah. Gotta love a Reese's. Have yeah. I ever made you my Reese's peanut butter cup cupcakes? Mm, I don't believe you have, and now I feel Ooh, cheated. I will, I will make those for you. Have I made you my Oreo cupcakes? Those I have a memory of, yes. Yes, well, it's kind of like that. So the base of the cupcake is a peanut butter cup. Um, And then you've got a chocolate sponge for the cupcake, then a peanut butter frosting, and then little mini Reese's on top. Mm, Nice. Yeah, I do like a mini Reese's. incredibly rich. It is very bad for you, but it's very tasty. The other day I got the um, the giant cups. Have you seen those? Oh, yes. They're the like a, half a pound each. 
made me feel quite ill, but in a good way. <laughs> you Really, you should cut those like a quiche, shouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Just have a slice. <laughs> exactly. Have you had the white peanut butter cups? Oh, yeah. Those are my favourite. They're very nice. Yeah. White oh, chocolate is my faves. Yeah. Anything with white chocolate, I'm pretty much guaranteed to like, but that's like the ideal combo for me. White chocolate is excellent. Um, but did you think that Pride and Prejudice and Zombies was excellent? How did you feel about uh, it? Well, film? I enjoyed this more than I was expecting to, actually. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go as far as excellent, but I went in with relatively low expectations and was pleasantly surprised, which I think is is often the case with these kind of films, actually. Something that comes from a place that's goofy, so that's good, but also potentially kind of a dumb cash-in, um, I'm always a little bit worried about, but actually it's a lot more fun than it has any right to be. Would you agree? I, I'd completely agree with that. So this is the third time I've watched this movie, I think. Um, and the first time I watched it, I was very sceptical, a bit like you. I was like, oh God, this is going to be terrible, isn't it? But actually... Like, who are these a... people who clearly read books basing a thing on a book? <laughs> yeah, books, get out. Basing a thing on a book that's based on a book. Double book. (laughs) Double book action. Bookception is not my kind of thing. Um, But actually, it's an awful lot of fun. I've never read Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. Um, I feel as though I've read Pride and Prejudice, and that is all that I want to do with that story. Um, Apart from watching the film adaptations, it's one of those things where actually often the film adaptations are very, very good. Um, And I do enjoy this movie. So it has made me think every so often, oh, maybe I should read it. But I think... I don't know how much more I'd get out of it from from watching the movie, I suppose. Because it, yeah. it gives you pride and prejudice, but then in all of the slightly boring moments, there'll be a zombie there, and it'll, it'll freshen it up a bit. Yeah, there'll be a bit, bit of violence, some grotesque stuff, some, yeah, cartoonish kicking around, some ninja action. Why not? Exactly. And are, are you a fan of Pride and Prejudice? <clears throat> I'm, on, I'm on the fence. You know, like, I don't think I've ever read it, but I've seen all of the various adaptations because my wife is a big fan. And I I don't mind it. I I get that it has this place in the literary canon, but I don't necessarily think that it's, like, the greatest work of literature ever, like some people do. Sure, sure. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm kind of... I'm kind of in the same space, I suppose, um, where I appreciate it and I think... I think it's a it's a it's a fine story um if you're looking for that kind of romantic archetype um but it's not you know it's, it doesn't particularly appeal to me um and I found that the the novel is not as good as the adaptations I think the adaptations cut out a lot they streamline a lot and that feels yeah. more interesting to me I think um, you have to be into those kind of books to enjoy those kind of books, which sounds like an obvious thing to say, but you know what I mean. It's like you have to enjoy that on an aesthetic level, um, the kind of writing from that era and all the the stuff that is being portrayed. You have to enjoy that in and of itself to enjoy the book, right? Whereas if you just want the story, the films are fine. Yes, yeah, exactly. A bit like Emma, you know. Um, yeah. Which, um, which you know, had that very good recent adaptation. Yeah. Um, it has a similar with kind Johnny of Flynn beats. as Johnny my dad, Flynn, who who would have been a very good fit for Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, and I think if this was made a few years later, because when was this 20, 2015, 2016? 2015, I believe. Um, and uh, if this had been a couple of years later, I think you would have seen Johnny Flynn in this as somebody. Yeah, instead of that bloke who looks a bit like Pete Doherty. <laughs> you mean Sam Riley? 
Yeah, that's the one. Um, well, he has played a much better icon of the indie music scene because he played Ian Curtis in the um, <coughs> Joy Division movie. Control. Um, yes. Is that what he's, it was called? Yes, that's right. That was good. Um, that yeah, had the, and- the really good shot where it just cuts to like the legs swinging in front of the TV, which is like a real kind of whoa moment. Yes, yeah. Um, but I, I think um, Sam Riley is actually a very underrated actor. Um, you know, he's been in bits and pieces. He played Jack Kerouac in an on-the-road adaptation. Um, he's in the recent Rebecca um, mm-hmm. as well. Um, we'll get on to that because I've watched it. But, well, we don't know oh, about it on this episode. You, you've cause you've we... watched it as well, have you? Yeah, yeah. Ah, well, yes, we will talk about that at some point. Um, uh, and then he's in Free Fire, which is a wonderful little movie, um, directed by the fella who directed Rebecca. Um, basically... A couple oh, ben of gangs have a quirky shootout in a warehouse, and it's very funny. Oh, um, that's right. Yeah, I've heard about this. Yes, an army hammer has a big beard. Um, it's, cool. It's it's very good. It's a very good film. Um, yeah. So Sam Riley is he's a good one. He's a good one, and I think he's got a very good. He's he's a very good Mister Darcy. I think in this, he's got just about the right amount of grim pomp to make Mister Darcy work, which is th- those yeah. are the two bits of his character. He's grim and he's pomp. And the the reason that this works is that you could imagine all of these actors playing it in a straight period piece, right? Or like a regular adaptation. So aesthetically, it does it right, but it throws in all the gore and the other stuff at the right moments. Although I almost, there's almost moments where you think I could actually do it with being a bit more stupid. It's almost too good for its own good. Yeah, that's definitely right. And and yeah, you, you look at the cast and the cast is incredible. So obviously Lily James um, as Elizabeth Bennett. You've got Sam Riley as Mr. Darcy. Um, all of the other Bennets uh, are well acted. You've got Bella Heathcote in there, for instance. Um, then you've got Sally Phillips as Mrs. Bennett and Charles Dance as Mr. Bennett. I love Charles amazing. Dance. Um, He's Jack- been doing a lot of roles where he has to have a beard in the last few years and I'm quite enjoying it. Even though yeah, you don't think of him it. as someone who would suit a beard, do you? No, he do, he does though, doesn't he? He suits it. Um, yeah, obviously he got out of of um, silly old uh, Game of Thrones at a good time. Um, and uh, Walter and Charles Dance. What? Sorry, is that is, Wikipedia says Walter Charles Dance? Oh, his Walter. name's actually Walter. Walter He's been lying. Dance. What a liar! <laughs> um, but then you've also got Lena Headey as well. You've got Matt Smith. Um, Matt Smith, I thought, was really good in this. Yes, yeah, he's very good. He's very, very funny. Um, he, he's got the same kind of energy as um, uh, as what's his face in Emma. Um, you know, the the the, the, the guy the from in Emma. God's Own Country. Yes, that's right. Yeah, um, whose name he, escapes me? Um, who's yeah? He's got exactly the same energy there, and I suppose it's it's kind of similar characters, but it it really yeah. hits the mark incredibly well, doesn't it? Yeah, um, he's a parson. Did you know he's a a parson? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, nice. I'm I'm not into Doctor Who, so I've always thought of Matt Smith as like oh, he's one of those Doctor Who guys. But actually, he's done a lot of stuff. And in this, I th- I was like, I found myself really finding him funny in the way that I didn't expect. Yeah, he's he's um, he's very good. Josh O'Connor is is that's um, the one. Um, yeah, what do you yeah, think Matt, of Doctor Matt's, Who? What do I think of Doctor Who? I don't like Doctor Who. Yeah, um, I used to watch the old ones when I was a kid a little bit. 
Um, when Christopher Eccleston took it over, I watched that series and I thought that was quite fun. Um, then it got far too convoluted for its own good um, and as as it went on. So I'm not even that big a fan of the David Tennant years, let alone everything that came afterwards. It's it's trying to be desperately, desperately clever. And that's not what Doctor Who is. Doctor Who is, is silly, um, silly and quirky. Yeah. Um, but um but it's it's the it's the issue with the with the showrunner isn't it um cuz um i've forgotten his name the 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 showrunner um russell t davies uh, Stephen Stephen moffat um oh yes and then Russell's Mark the Gattis writer is involved as well isn't he oh yeah um, and i like him i think his sensibility is the kind of thing that that show needs but it's just too it's goofy in the worst way isn't it doctor who yeah, and it tries to be too smart. So, so Stephen Moffat's got a bit of a reputation for doing this. So he did the Sherlock adaptations for the BBC, for instance. Oh yeah, um, which again everyone thought was really clever. Yeah, and it's it's not really. Um, and um, and yeah, so it's the same kind of issue. And then there, his adaptation of Dracula last year was absolutely awful. Like genuinely, really bad. I'm someone who loves Dracula. Was this on TV? It was on TV. Yeah, it was. It was the the big BBC Christmas adaptation. Right. Um, yes, I remember year. channel hopping and coming across a bit of it and thinking, "Wow, this is awful." Yeah, and they they basically decided to mix it up a lot, and so they could have told a really interesting original vampire story, but instead they decided, "Let's take Dracula and let's piss all over it." Um, and that's exactly what they did, and it really didn't work. It was genuinely terrible, um, which is a shame because there were some great special effects and some really good performances in there. But the storyline was absolute trash, and just at every moment they were like, "Oh, let's put in a twist. Let's 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 um, let's subvert expectations every at every single moment." And if you do that enough times, you just turn yourself around in circles and get dizzy. And that's what Dracula was. It was it was a kid running around in circles, getting dizzy, and then throwing up on the floor. Um, but with vampires my, but with vampires that that's my review of dracula 2020 get out um but but matt smith <laughs> but matt smith i do like i think he's very good um he's very good in the crown i don't know if you've watched the crown yes i did think he's good in that yeah and again i am not a royalist or someone who would generally have any interest in watching that kind of show but we sat down to watch it and i was compelled and i have found it yes, interesting yeah yeah so so he's really good and i think that that goes for the whole cast and you're completely right that this could have been the cast of a straight adaptation of Pride and Prejudice and it would have worked incredibly well. Um, but instead, it's the zombie version. And I I really enjoy the zombie bits because there, there's two parts of why the zombie stuff works so well in this movie. And part one is they use it for dramatic effect in moments where there's a dramatic moment in the original story. And so where it's going to be a dramatic moment, they add a little bit of zombie or they add a little bit of kung fu action. Um and yeah. it just it and it and it just immediately makes it feel so goofy that it's enjoyable to watch and it's funny. Um and so it kind of adds that kind of refreshment where whereas the story can often be a little bit stuffy, it's refreshing to watch because it has these incredibly stupid moments. But then also you've got, you know, just these these random moments of of zombie killing. Um and and again, it, it it just keeps things fresh and it keeps things entertaining um, in a way that I, when I first watched it, I was not expecting it to be as entertaining as it was. No, me neither. And they, the zombie moments always happen at the right time, don't they? The right bit where you need that bit, that bit of um, punctuation, as it were. And they're there from quite early on as well, but they don't 
overdo it too far. They don't overdo it at the beginning, which is the problem that these kind of films often have. Or they also sometimes leave it too long before dropping in that kind of element when you know it's going to happen. So, yeah, it's. I think the pacing of it is quite good. And a lot of that is actually to do with the fact that there exists this quite well-plotted story from a book about a book that is, you know, is classic literature for a reason and you have that to hang it off. But there's still a credit to the creativity of the filmmakers in how they punctuate it with those moments. Yes, yeah, it's very cleverly done. It's very carefully structured and, you know, because it is, it's not zombies and prejudice. It's not pride and zombies. It's pride and prejudice and zombies. And the, the main story beats are all the same as the original book. Um, apart from there's bits where London has been taken over by zombies. There's, there's, there's zombies every so often. Um, and, and that all works incredibly well. And I think those moments where they, they intersperse the context of a zombie apocalypse into the story, um, work really well too. So it's hinted at that, um, George Wickham sneakily killed Mr. Darcy's father when he was able to get his inheritance so he could get it early and things like that which are obviously uh, uh, and and the way that he does it is that he infects him with the zombie plague um and and it's those kind of moments which i think really in they really intensify the 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 story beats of the of it really because what's more dramatic than a very impassioned romantic story fucking zombies everywhere yeah exactly <laughs> it really puts things into perspective doesn't it yeah exactly and then and then you've got the whole element of you know um mrs bennett is desperate for the kids to um to to get married so that they have that financial protection but then also on top of that the financial protection brings with it you know physical protection from the zombie apocalypse so it makes her her sort of um modus operandi that much more important as well um but equally um you know they're all trained in martial arts and um and it's and it's suggested that they'd have to give up their martial arts if if they get married, and that's another reason why Elizabeth Bennet's sort of like, no, I want to be free, I want to be with the right person, and also then I won't have to give up the thing that I love, which is roundhouse kicking people in the face. <laughs> yeah, and they're all really good at that stuff because they all went and trained in China, which is an interesting <laughs> yeah, kind is, of revisionist is... history bit that gets attached to it of people yeah. yeah there's a bit where it's like oh you can't speak japanese which is, is obviously very strange but fits with the the history that is explained in the quite enjoyable title sequence yes exactly and and it's quite um it's quite interesting that that kind of contextual element works incredibly well and it's so easy to mess that up so i don't know if you've ever seen bright the will smith movie no that got panned didn't it yeah and rightly so because it is bad um and part of the problem with it is that the the idea is it's about orc rights it's it's yeah it's it's fucking awful it's a genuinely terrible film um but the whole the whole concept is what if la but there's magic and there's always been magic but the issue is that it doesn't delve into what that would contextually mean so all that all all that they've done is just chuck some orcs and some fairies into la rather than thinking okay if there really was orcs and elves and shit how would this have impacted on society whereas with pride and prejudice and zombies they've actually done their groundwork there in terms of saying okay well if there was zombies how would this impact on 
high society during this time period. You know what your description of Bright just then reminded me of? What? Wizard Cop. Oh, mate, Wizard Cop is so much That's better. set in New York, obviously. Yeah, but... that's East Coast, Beast Coast. <laughs> Beast Coast. West Coast, Sweaty Vest Coast. That's how yeah. it goes. Um... <laughs> the Beast from the East. No offence to any of our West Coast listeners, whether that's the West Coast of America or the West Coast of England. Yeah. We love you. Particularly the West Coast of England. We love the West. Yeah. West Country. If there's anyone listening in Aberystwyth, down with you. Yeah. We we, we love you all. Um, but um, <laughs> where were we? Uh, Wizard Cop. Wizard Cop is great. I think Wizard Cop needs to happen. If anyone doesn't yeah. get the reference, go and listen to episode... Insert episode number here where we talked about Wizard Cop. I can't remember where we <laughs> talked about it. <laughs> I think the clip is on our SoundCloud. Oh, I, can put, I can just put the clip in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go, go. Listen, listen to Wizard Cop, and you'll understand why it's so important. Um, the way you phrased that made it sound like an important album, <laughs> like a, a prog, prog rock album. You know, that always appears in the top tens and. Guitar magazines, yeah, Wizard Cop, but it, it could also be a, a like a synthwave album, which is more in our sort of wheelhouse. Yeah, you could have a, a synthwave album called Wizard Cop, Palomino Club, Wizard Cop. Yeah, I think that needs to be the name of our next album. Yeah, definitely. Um, just one more thing about the cast before we move on to talk about something else. Um, this movie has Douglas Booth in it, who is uh, in one of our favourite shit pieces, Jupiter Ascending. Yeah. <laughs> When I first I first saw him in one of those Dickens adaptations and I was like, who is this man with an obviously handsome face? Look at him. He looks like a Tory boy. And then he keeps cropping up in things that I like. It's really annoying. <laughs> yeah, he's Titus Abrasax <laughs> in, uh, in Jupiter Ascending. Jupiter Ascending, we need to rewatch that, man. I love that film. The, the more I think about it, the more I, I love it. Um, How long has it been? Oh, it's been a while, hasn't it? Surely we can do it again. We'll, Titus we'll do we'll do a rewatch of that for our like our whatever our next big number is special. Yeah, episode. two two hundred. Yeah, it? we're only about twenty two episodes away or something. Oh, there we go. There we go. Um, yeah, Titus Abrasax, Kalik Abrasax, and Baitlemas Abrasax. All about that. And he's also in LOL. LOL. The film from 2012 starring Miley Cyrus and Demi Moore. Oh, wow. I didn't even know this was a Which thing. Seems like the kind of thing we should watch. I mean, we definitely should. It's got a 4.4 out of 10 rating on IMDb. <laughs> I'm all over this. As a new year at school begins, Lola's heart is broken by her boyfriend, though soon she's surprised by her best friend, promising musician Kyle, who reveals his feelings for her. They've just given away the entire plot. <laughs> You just watched the trailer and now you've seen the film. <laughs> yeah, I hate that. I hate that. Oh, Miley you know it's bad when like the Wikipedia or IMDb entry talks about how many countries the film was released in to avoid talking about other things about it. Yes, exactly. It was released in 26 countries. <laughs> they don't say that about good films, do they? They do not. They do not. Um, oh, Miley Cyrus. Have you heard the recent Miley Cyrus music, by the way? No, I have not. She's, I'm open to it, though. She's been doing that song some, Malibu she did a few years ago was good. She's and been, it made me change my opinion of her. She's been doing some funky cover versions. Um, so things like Zombie 
heart of glass and it's like oh this is good this suits her voice a lot more than doing the country or the pop music um so i'd really like her to do like a rock album or something it would be very good was there a rumor she was gonna do a metallica covers album or was that someone else I, i really hope so um, that would be that would be amazing. I'm searching my. There was someone unexpectedly. Metallica. She has covered nothing else matters. Yeah, it's true. Oh, what I really want. Twentieth of to October, that. Miley Cyrus recording a Metallica covers album. Because yeah. for um, for Black Mirror, she did a cover of "Head Like a Hole" by Nine Inch Nails, um, which was mm. very cool, and it sounded very good. So actually, that could be. That could be rather good. Her voice really suits that style of music. Oh, what do you reckon? I'm gonna, open to it. What do you reckon is gonna gonna make the cut? That's, yeah, that's a good point. I think there's gonna be a lot of material from Load and Reload. <laughs> it's just Saint Anger. It's all Saint Anger. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're doing frantic. <laughs> frantic, tick, 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 tock. <laughs> oh, I got it wrong. Yeah, Life is pain. there's got to be at least 57 ticks there before he moves on to the next bit. That's how it goes. Um, I can't, but oh, that yeah. has made me so happy. A Miley Cyrus Metallica album. That is amazing. I'm so excited for that. Um, but there is no Metallica or Miley Cyrus in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. No, it's a similarly ambitious crossover event. It is, it is. Um but it, yeah. but it's, it, it works. We were talking about well. Douglas Booth. I like yes. I liked him in this as well. He's in the right role. He is, yes. He's the, the naive posh man. I think he does very well. Um, so yeah. Um, so yeah. So it's 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 good. It's good. It's like you said. It's maybe a bit too good for its own good. Yeah. You you kind of want it to be rubbish, don't you? Not in a cynical way. You just think, well, it's it's clearly some throwaway nonsense. I'd like it to be very stupid and I'm actually compelled by this. I'm actually enjoying these performances. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, even sort of, you've got Lena Headey turning up with an eye patch being like the greatest swordsman in England. Um, <laughs> and even then you're like, she's too good at this. <laughs> you know, you, you want it to be a little bit worse than it is. You want it to be a little bit sillier than it is, but even when it really pushes the boat out, it still manages to, be good in a way which is yeah it's it's strange yeah she's from the games of throne she is from the games of throne but also um she is in the judge dread movie that came out a few years ago which is very good um she is in a show called wizards not about wizard cops from the wizard cops (laughs) um she's going to be in the new masters of the universe tv series they're remaking He-Man? Apparently, yeah. I did not Have they managed to buy the rights back from moneysupermarket.com? <laughs> Wizards <laughs> is a it is a TV series based on DreamWorks' Tales of Arcadia. That's very odd. I don't understand why she's doing this. And then Master of the Universe Revelation is another... I suppose a lot of people will be doing lots of... Um, lots of voice work now i suppose that's one of the few things where you've been able to to um to keep going so who yeah. is who is playing who mark hamill is playing skeletor oh what that is good um that is a good choice lena Headey is evil Lim. who's playing who's playing he-man 
says here Paddy Johnston is playing He-Man. What? Oh, I knew it. Yeah. I knew you tell I love that guy. This? I thought he'd be, think he'd be great at it. <laughs> they heard they heard his his clear booming commanding voice on a podcast and were like, "We need that guy. <laughs> we need it right now." Exactly. They heard me going, "Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah." That's still one of my favourite meme videos. I cannot get enough of it. Um, yeah, I really because you know it. there are too many memes these days, aren't there? There are. There aren't. A, there aren't enough high quality memes. It's just too many bad memes. Yeah. Every day you wake up, new memes. Can we just stop? Yeah. Stop the memes. Yeah. Go back to the old days where you'd get like two memes. Yeah. Two memes keyboard a year. cat back and <laughs> back hey yeah yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> Back in my day, we had Yang Cat and Keyboard Cat, and we yep. were grateful. You'd um, open up the Nyan Cat page and see how long it would go for. That's what we used to do for fun. It was all we yeah, had. That's all we had. We just sit there, dead-eyed, in front of our TV screens. So just one step Nyan up Cat. from a hoop and stick. Yeah, exactly. Um, sp- interestingly enough, speaking of Johnny Flynn that we did earlier today, um, the trailer for his David Bowie movie has apparently. <gasps> released today oh wow um, i've not seen the trailer yet but that could be interesting i think he's a very good that fit is for that very interesting especially as we we talked about um david bowie last week didn't we in the hunger oh yes yeah yeah uh, I, maybe they should do a remake of the hunger with johnny flynn that would actually be quite cool it'd be you interesting have... to give that to a director who's got real vision and you know, would be able to have the same focus on the aesthetic point of it whilst also, you know, maybe injecting a little bit more plot. Someone like Ari Aster, who we've talked about a lot this month. Oh, man, Ari Aster remake of The Hunger would be good. Alternatively, I would just do an entire Beast reunion and have the director of Beast um, and then Jesse Buckley yeah, and, and Johnny Flynn as the... As the leads, um, maybe put Anya Taylor Joy in from um, oh, from Emma, from Emma yeah. as the other female character. Um, yeah, let's do that. That's what we want. Michael Pierce, director of Beast, you're in. Um, <laughs> come on, get on board. Do a Hunger remake. Um, his next project is apparently going to be a sci-fi movie. Um, two brothers embark on a journey with their father who is trying to protect them from an alien threat. Cool. Um, it has uh, Riz Ahmed in it. Oh, great. I love a good so, dad buddy movie. There aren't enough of those yeah. around. Yeah, you know, The uh, the Road, that feel good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Road trip movie with your dad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so going back to Pride and Prejudice and zombies, what did you think of the fact that the zombies could be intelligent until they ate human brains? Yeah, that seemed like kind of a dumb thing at the time, but you're like, well, it works within the context of the film to move the action along, right? So I, di- I didn't hate it, but I wasn't like, oh yeah. yeah, that's really clever or anything. Yeah, it adds a bit of it adds a bit of mystery, um, <laughs> which is which is interesting. Um, where you're like, why can this zombie speak? What is this mystery of what's going on with the zombies? Yeah. Um, but then it kind of never, it kind of, you expect there to be some kind of thing where they go, oh yeah, well maybe this is a way forward, you know, um, 
like uh, like i am legend the whole point of i am legend is that he is the thing that goes bump in the night for the monsters and actually they've got their own society yeah and i was wondering if pride and prejudice and zombies was going to do something similar where they find some kind of some kind of peace together some kind of cooperation but instead it's just oh i fed them fuck you <laughs> yeah that is quite funny in the end because it, yeah it could easily have gone down that route actually i suppose you know, it's created this world. It can create whatever logic it wants within that world, and you'd believe it, right? Yes, yeah. It was like, okay, we just don't give them human brains. Yeah. Um, Unless it goes, could okay. gone down and like a kind of warm bodies route, where it turns out Darcy yeah. is a zombie, but as long as he doesn't eat human brains, it's fine. So they can get married. Yeah, that would have been that would have been fine. But instead, it it just goes, no, fuck you. The 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 prejudice in this movie, prejudice against zombies all i'm gonna say yeah get out of here you zombie racists zombie haters october is not the month for you my friends yeah so so are you a fan of zombie movies in general yeah i'd say so i wouldn't say that i necessarily actively seek them out but when they come up i'm like hell yeah yeah i'm i'm kind of similar so obviously they've gotten they've got a bit over saturated as far as the the market goes zombies were everywhere for a while basically after the walking dead came out um yeah zombies kind of took over but i think you've obviously got those those archetype zombie movies like the the day of the dead film etc yeah those night of the living dead day of the dead dawn of the dead are great um but then you've also got some very fun ones like zombie land where it's basically a comedy um i don't think i've seen that Oh, have you not? We no. could, we could, uh, we could talk about that actually. Um, there is a romantic element, so maybe next year we we'll have to save it for that. next year, won't we? Yeah. Um, you've got Train to Busan. Have you seen that? No, I've not heard of that. Oh, that is very good. Very, very good film. So, Train to Busan is a um, a Korean zombie movie on a train. So, there's a zombie outbreak, and there's these people that are on this train, and it's going into like the last safe haven in Busan um right but zombies zombies are on the train as well and it's very 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 good um but then yeah you've and then you've got other ones like i think i think 28 days later is still kind of the the best example of how to do a modern zombie story yeah i remember when that came out we kind of watched it at school and we were just that little bit too young for it maybe but where you're young enough to be really affected by it and that even just that opening scene with the bridge in London, you're just like, wow, this is incredible. And I could totally yeah, imagine and, this and happening. Yeah, it, it feels so real and so impactful. And I know that the plot is basically just Day of the Triffids, but that's what works so well about it. Because the moment you try and make Day of the Triffids into a movie, people realise that big walking plants aren't scary and are instead very funny. <laughs> um, yeah, so by basically. <laughs> exactly you know um, and i don't know if you've seen any of the adaptations of day of the triffids don't believe i um, have no but they they always end up going just that too goofy because the sheer nature of big walking plants is goofy enough as it is yeah um, which should be embraced which should yeah but if you take that very earnest story because day of the triffids is one of my favorite novels i really love it i remember i read it when i was a bit too young before i realized that books were for nerds yeah, as well i yeah. might point out I won't um, hold it against you. You didn't know what you were doing. <laughs> exactly. I didn't know what I was doing. I was young and impressionable, and I heard that reading books was cool. Um, 
but um but yeah I, I read that one was a bit too young and it really affected me um and so when 28 days later came out i was like oh this is exactly that same kind of feeling that i got from day of the triffids but on screen and you know the story beats are exactly the same but by having it being that much more real and grounded it really adds that intensity to it um so I think you can still do effective zombie movies. I mean, it was only a couple of years ago that the girl with all the gifts got uh, mm. um, got adapted. Yeah, um, and that's a you know that's a great novel and a great film. They they work incredibly well. Um, both of them. I don't know if you've read or yeah, watched. I, I read it and I saw it because I used to work for the publisher of that book. Some of my friends are in that film. Oh really? Oh wow! Yeah, that's really cool. Um, the the only thing that I think is sad about it is that. Um, is that obviously there was The Last of Us, the video game. I've um, recently been which, hearing a lot about The Last of Us 2. Yes, so um, in that, unfortunately, it came out the exact same year as The Girl with All the Gifts. Um, and obviously, it's not a lot that either of them could do about it because, you know, the, the, the runtime of coming up and scoping an idea for a novel versus scoping an idea for a video game it's kind of running parallel really unless you're one of those people like Stephen King that can really push him out quickly yeah um uh but both of them have a post-apocalypse where there's a a, a mutated variant on the cordyceps virus um sorry the cordyceps fungus which has taken root in humans um so the the core story sort of kernels are exactly the same and i just think it's such a shame that these two works are a little bit too similar um that's really interesting yeah it's it's one of those moments where it's just clearly people had this idea around the same time um and just yeah really um and and both hit those same kind of worries and that that's and and they they have kind of similar ideas about um about the destruction of society although in the girl with all the gifts society is in a much worse position than um in the last of us where in the last of us it's an interesting game series the last of us but in that there's these pockets of civilization still and people have come to form a new kind of society but it's still very much on the brink of collapse because there's there's so much danger around them whereas in the girl with all the gifts society's gone you know <laughs> it, it is in a very very poor state of affairs um but um but yeah it's, it's one of those it's one of those stories that always sits with me um the girl with all the gifts it's so such an emotionally powerful book as well yeah and neither side like the book nor the game or whatever has tried to say that their idea was their first or whatever no, exactly, and that's because they clearly did it. They clearly came up with it at the same time. It's one of those things where you could never. Um, it, it, one of those unfortunate moments of serendipity, I suppose. Yeah. Um, there is nothing new under the sun. No, no, even even terrifying funguses that eat the brains of ants. Under the moon, um, on the other hand. <laughs> yeah, all sorts of. Or should I say, moon. under the cherry moon? That's where all the wolf boys are. Yeah, waiting to eat their cherries. <laughs> yeah. So, um, anyway, right. What what else do we want to say about um about Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? Um, I I just think it's interesting. It's kind of the one of the more prominent examples of this kind of thing of sort of mashing up popular culture and literature stuff. 
And I think there are a lot of examples out there that <laughs> are nowhere near as successful. So, you know, just because this is good, it doesn't mean that other things that are like it are good, unfortunately, even though it perhaps should do, but it doesn't, right? Not that I have loads of experience with loads of, with other similar stuff, but the guy who wrote it also wrote Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, which I imagine you've seen and I have not. Yes. I have not. It looked really bad. So I didn't I didn't bother with that one. But maybe, maybe at some point I will. Um But yeah, you're right. There was um there was a lot of these that that came out that sort of appeared, didn't they? So um you had Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters was another one, wasn't it? Yeah, same publisher, um, same year, actually. Yeah. Um, where it's kind of, hey, let's 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 do this let's mix these around a bit and add a little bit of something something to it um and yeah it's one of those things where i suppose it's more of a lightning and a bottle thing i can't imagine that it would work that well uh in a, in a similar kind of format with another story no and it's very very hard not to see a lot of it as publishers just cashing in which is what publishers do you know, they look for any kind of available intellectual property and they see how can they make money out of it or kind of try to own intellectual property um, and come up with original ideas that they can then sell and license, which is fair enough because that's how you run a business and whatever. But a lot of a lot of the time it's not so great. And it makes me, <laughs> reminds me of, you know, I think some of the precursors to this that you'd see in the humor section at Waterstones was stuff like um, the Soddit and Board of the Rings and all that kind of stuff. Did you ever read any of those? Oh, yes. Yeah, I had Board of the Rings. Yeah. And I had Barry Trotter, which was the Harry Potter one. That's the one. Yeah. Um, and that there is one bit in Barry Trotter that's always stuck with me. It's not very good, but um, I always remember this bit in it where in, in in Harry Potter they say, oh, yes, lots of wizards were burned at the stake, but actually it didn't hurt us at all and it was fine. And then in Barry Trotter, um, it's revealed that actually that's a load of old shit and they did burn to death. And the person's like, well, have you ever met a wizard that was burned at the stake and didn't die? Um, it's like, yeah, I suppose they probably would die a horrible <laughs> death if they were burned at the stake, wouldn't they? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, d- I don't remember anything else apart from that, that they're those kind of parody novels that just, you get them at Christmas and then you read them yeah. and you forget about them. Exactly. And that's it's a it's a cheap and cynical market, isn't it? So I guess what I'm trying to say is that this film looks like it's part of that, but it's actually a lot better than that. Yes, yeah, because a lot of those things they rely on cheap cheap jokes. So I'm just looking at Board of the Rings now and the 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 hobbits are called Frito and Spam Gangri <laughs> and <laughs> Gollum is called Godam. Um yeah so it's funny to it's replace names with swear words yeah it's <laughs> it's it's not great it's not great um <laughs> uh, so so yeah and and whereas yeah i think i think there's the the difference comes in that pride and prejudice and zombies is a story that clearly really has a lot of respect and adoration for the original story um and i think the best kind of parodies and and sort of spoofs are those that do have a genuine affection for the original work. Yeah. And you you feel like the author did some research and tried to make this a thing that was actually good. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, the the perfect example of this is if you're looking at other zombie stories, you've got Shaun of the Dead, which if, 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 if Edgar Wright 
and everyone involved didn't love zombie movies, that would never have worked. But they knew exactly how to play with it to make it effective. Or in the follow-up Hot Fuzz, it has lots of those um, action movie tropes and it knows exactly how to play with those as well. And Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, it knows Pride and Prejudice so well that it knows exactly how far it can push its gimmick without it becoming overbearing. And it walks that line incredibly well, I think. Yeah. And you feel like it really wants to appeal to people who are just going to want to watch a zombie film, but also people who will be interested in it from the point of view of the source text. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it, 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 it pleases everybody. Um, although, did, did you watch it with your fair wife? No, I did not. She refused. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if people who are huge fans of Pride and Prejudice would, would enjoy the movie. She finds the very concept of it much... extremely offensive. Yeah, exactly. So I think there's some people where the, the, it's, it's destroying the purity of the original work. Whereas I'm all about, ah, give it a as long as you're respectful and as long as you understand it give it a give it a little mess mess around and see what you can do yeah um which which going back to the dracula adaptation i suppose they didn't understand the original work enough to really pull that off um and and maybe didn't show it enough respect whereas i think pride and prejudice and zombies has plenty of respect yeah for sure i respect it um so so what did you think of lily james's performance oh i thought she was great you know, her usual brilliant self. And this is, you know, perhaps before some of the other things that we've seen her in that we love. But, um, yeah, her star is on the rise, clearly. And this is, um, the foundation of it has clearly been there for quite some time. Yeah, because we, we are a podcast that supports and respects Lee James and thinks she's brilliant. Um, you know, I've not seen anything in her room where I thought she hasn't been good. Yeah. Um, one of the shining lights of... Mamma Mia 2, a movie that I didn't particularly like, even though I really like the original Mamma Mia, but the the young cast really gave that movie some more energy. Um, and I would just like to state that I think she's getting far too much hate at the moment. Uh, you, have, you've heard about all of the no. furor around her. Who, who's um, hating? Well, she was pictured um, being affectionate with... Um, Dominic I know you West. texted me about this, yeah. Yeah. And I just thought, why um, do I care about this tabloid shit? Yeah, and Dominic West is a married man. Lily James is single. Dominic West has not been getting very much hate. Lily James has been getting a lot of hate, and I think that is a very sexist double standard that society and the media has. Dominic West is a creepy 50-year-old man who lives in a castle with his very rich wife. Um, <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> wait is this um, turning into a dracula film <laughs> yeah exactly if you want someone to play creepy sexually frustrated dracula then you've got dominic west right there um but um <laughs> but yeah and so so i think yeah lily james is getting far too much hate just because she was she was clearly you know having some fun with a guy who happened to be married i don't think that's necessarily her responsibility no. Um, I think it's probably his responsibility a little bit more. There's no proof um, that anyone's done anything untoward, is there? But in and and even if even if they have, you know, it's again, it's not her responsibility. If this guy wants to cheat on his wife, he's going to cheat on his wife. Well, yeah. Um, and and yeah, so so he went and stood outside his very posh castle with his wife, looking That's right. happy. And then there was a sign saying, "Our oh, marriage is fine. Leave us alone." <laughs> 
um, which was uh, which was interesting. Uh, definitely believe that. As um, if he thinks yeah. that's not going to be made into a meme. People think they're above <laughs> memes. Nobody's above the meme. Nobody, yeah. Not memes even us. The great, the great leveler. Um, but yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's a he he's a creepy looking fella, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Dominic West. Um, I, I do quite like him. He's in... Um, he's played Fred West, uh, so, you know, he's got has pedigree. He played, has he played Fred West? Hasn't he played Fred West? Oh, my God, that's incredible. Dominic West, Oh, you're Fred right. West. Yes, he did. Yeah, that's and right. Appropriate the, the adult. drama about Fred West. Jesus Christ. Um, he's also in the show The Affair, ironically. Um, oh, yeah. And... Uh, he played Jean Valjean in the non-singing version of Les Mis, which came out. Which we boycott, obviously. <laughs> no singing, get out. <laughs> yeah. It's actually quite good. What's the we point in that? Of it. We watched a few episodes of it here, and it was it was pretty good. Um, but then also he was in The Wire, of course. Um, he was he was Detective McNulty in that. Um, that was the first thing I saw him in. And most importantly playing Lara Croft's dad in the most recent Tomb Raider film. Lara Croft has a dad? Yeah, dead dad. All right. Yeah, there's all this plot. Sounds like uh, an easy role. He either dies in the film or is dead before the film takes place. I can't remember what. They, it's like a sort of prequel um, before Lara Croft just goes off and becomes a Tomb Raider. Um, which, is, which is what we all want to do. We all go off and raid some tombs. That sounds like the opposite of 2020. <laughs> yeah, but we're all sitting in our tombs. Yeah, stay at home. Do not raid tombs. <laughs> do, do not raid. Tomb not raider. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Lily James, it's fine. You know what? Maybe next time, don't go out with a creepy married man, but keep making good movies. We'll support you. Yeah. You'll always, we'll always have your back. We'll always, we'll always be there to defend you from the hordes of online monsters. Yeah. Um, unless you make a movie we don't like, in which case you're nothing to us. We will cast you out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, right. Have you got anything else you want to say about about Pride and Prejudice? And no, Science? I don't think so. I think I think we've covered it. I think it was a good one to finish the um, finish our Halloween month on. You know, something that was had a bit of a goof factor, but is definitely not a shit piece. So it was good. Good choice. Yeah. 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 You know, we'll end on something light after a few, you know, more thinky movies. Yeah. Um, so I've got a little, got a little bit of trivia. Um, uh, so all of the actresses playing the Bennett sisters did their own stunts. Hmm. All that is, is ninja cool. spinning around stuff. Yeah. Very yeah. good. Um, and they would train up to five times a week in combat fighting and boxing cool um natalie portman was originally cast as elizabeth bennett oh why um i'm glad that she wasn't in it i think it's a lot better um with lily james in there you could imagine it um, but yeah i'm I'm skeptical a little bit too polished i think yeah would be um and um and mrs bennett is sally phillips favorite part among her own film work which is cool wow um, and I like her in in that role. I think it's good. Yeah, she's clearly really enjoying herself. Yes, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so that'll do it. That'll do it for uh, for for trivia. So how are we going to rank this bad boy? Um, let's see. Oh, 
how many tame zombies are you rounding up to take over London? <laughs> um, so I've I've got a good old good old fourteen zombies. Nice. Um, this is a yeah. This is a thoroughly pleasant, enjoyable little action horror romp with lots of romance. It's it's a nice little film. It's much better than people think it is. Yeah, and a, a good one for this month. I'll, I'll go one one lower and just give it a thirteen. I think. Yes. Yeah. That's fair enough. Um, but a respectable score. A respectable. Score. Yeah. It's a highly respectable movie. Exactly. Um, so, so what have we got up next then? Um, well, we we had a plan, didn't we? We were going to do Rebecca, and then there was going to be something else because we had a request from our good friend Lizzie at Acast. Big up to Acast and big up to Lizzie, mm-hmm. see for hosting us, giving us access to all the good stuff that podcasters need. So, thank you. But as we just watched Rebecca, I want to do it next so that I don't forget about it. Ah, cool. Okay. So let's do that, that and then good. let's do the other one that we won't say what it is. Would you like to, no pressure, watch the Hitchcock version as well so we can do a little compare and contrast? Ooh, that's actually a good idea, actually, yeah. Yeah, because it's been a very long time since I watched the Hitchcock one. Same, I same, yeah. I feel like I watched it in, like, first year of university. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so shall we do that? We'll, we'll primarily talk about the new Rebecca. But maybe if we if we watch the 1940 version as well, yeah, I think that would be really um, interesting, and we can do a little a little comparison piece. Good, cool, Marvelous. cool. Well, thank you, <coughs> thank you very much for listening and for coming with us on this Halloween journey. We hope you've had a nice spooky month. It has been a spooky month. And this should go out just before Halloween. So, you know, if you're listening to this before Halloween, don't go trick-or-treating. It's not safe. Don't be a dick. Yeah, just stay in and watch some movies. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with that. You can bob for apples at home. You can dress up. I'm still going to dress up as a sheet ghost. You know, I'm not going to lose the opportunity <laughs> to do that. I'm going to put on some spooky clothes. I've got a few spooky clothes lying around. Of course you um, do. I've got a big old Dracula T-shirt. I've got a jumper with some pumpkins on it. Excellent. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be good. Sweet. So yeah, in, have a have a good Halloween, but you know, be be responsible. Yeah, don't go being a dick. No. Be res- be respectful. You know, if you're gonna leave out sweets, then leave individually wrapped sweets out. Things yes. Like that. Yeah, that's it. That's not a bad idea. And, you know, thanks a lot for listening. We really, really do appreciate it. And you can get in touch with us um, on Twitter at BigBoysDon'tPod. Emails BigBoysDon'tCryPodcast at gmail.com. Tell us what spooked you this Halloween. Yeah, what scared you? What movies have you watched that have scared you? Yeah. What should, and what should we do during our Halloween month next year? Yeah, if you've got any recommendations for us, then do let us know. Um, I think we, we, we'll probably be able to do several more Halloween months. There's so many romantic horror movies oh, out yeah. there, but if there's but if there's any that people in particular want us to watch, then then get in touch. Yeah, please do. Always love to hear from you. Alrighty, alrighty, and we'll be back next week to talk about Rebecca and then Rebecca, Rebecca too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh dear! All right, <laughs> bye bye. Bye.